somebody called the French Spider-Man scaled a 52-story skyscraper in New York today. Why? He says to call attention to global warming. Meanwhile, Congress is discussing the Lieberman-Warner climate bill. Will this law amount to a tax on the poor? We'll ask an expert. This is Jerry Johnson live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. There's a great feeling all across America by people in small villages and towns to large cities to state legislatures and other we must move and move now do something doing nothing is not an option that's senator john warner republican of virginia he's the co-author of the warner lieberman climate security act of 2008 being uh, debated in congress right now in fact they are devoting several days to this bill in the united states senate and uh, really the bill assumes that global warming is occurring and is damaging or will further damage the planet. And uh, Senator Warner says that Americans are demanding action on this. Are you demanding action on this? Do you think global warming is real? Should we have uh, a huge bill passed that I will describe in just a moment uh, that really uh, moves money from one sector of the economy to another and will end up taxing the poor? Uh, do you think this type of legislation is necessary? That's what we're going to be discussing here on Jerry Johnson Live today. I am Panna Dexter, uh, sitting in for Dr. Johnson today. And uh, in the floor debate, uh, one of our friends who uh, heads up the Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works. Actually, he's the ranking member, the Republican member. He says, to the contrary, he disagrees with Senator Warner. This bill will hurt the economy. It ignores the needs of American families. It jeopardizes the jobs of American workers. It does not offer a global solution and, in fact, will increase global emissions. And it does not promote good, clean energy solutions and, in fact, will make us even more dependent upon uh, foreign sources of energy. What is this bill? Uh, one of the main tenets of it is cap and trade, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But what will you have to do uh, to sacrifice economically if this bill actually passes and uh, would ever be signed by a president? What is cap and trade? Uh, we're going to discuss this. We're later going to be joined by an expert, Ian Murray, from the Competitive Enterprise Institute. He says that environmental policies uh, that have been really imposed on us by environmentalists, by the greenies, sometimes actually 
actually hurt the environment. That ought to be a very interesting interview. Uh, But right now, ladies and gentlemen, why don't you start giving us a call and uh, letting me know if you think global warming is real. And if you do, are you willing to pay more in gas, in taxes, and even in the prices of things so that Congress can uh, basically take your money and then give it to groups that he thinks will stop global warming, that the government thinks will stop global warming. Do you think global warming is a real phenomenon? And if you do, do you think it's affecting the economy and is worth all of this hullabaloo that's taking place in Congress? Give us a call, 800-881-9270. I want to uh, explain a little bit about the major component of this bill, which is called cap and trade. The Wall Street Journal calls it cap and spend. And they say that as the Senate opens this debate, which is taking place on this mammoth carbon regulation program, Uh, Again, the phrase of the hour, cap and trade, and uh, anyone who looks at this legislation is going to see that really it is cap and spend. Wall Street Journal calling it the largest income redistribution scheme since the income tax. Well, let's go back uh, to some of the debate on the floor of the United States Senate. One of the senators who supports this, uh, and senators, of course, uh, considering this wide-ranging climate change bill, one who supports it, Barbara Boxer, Democrat from California, she chairs the Senate Environmental and Public Works Committee. She told reporters this measure is actually going to get the economy back on track with lots of money going out to consumers. Almost a trillion dollars of tax relief. In addition, there's almost a trillion dollars of help for consumers that will be distributed by the utility companies, the uh, power companies, and so on. What exactly does she mean by this? Uh, When you talk about cap and trade, some people that have been around a while look back to a time when we had an environmental problem that was called acid rain. And uh, back at that time, there were some allowances that were distributed to companies that were producing this acid rain, sort of this dirty rain. And these were distributed so, so companies could... Uh, actually produce a little bit of acid rain, but not very much. They were penalized for uh, producing it. And uh, this problem was basically cleaned up uh, partially because of this and for other reasons, uh, cleaner technology being one of them. So here's what is being proposed in this bill. This bill, which is sponsored by Joe Lieberman and John Warner, would put a cap on emissions of carbon, CO2 emissions, and this cap would be lowered every single year. But then to ease the pain... Uh, And to allow for some adjustment, this bill would then dole out some allowances under this cap. And these would give rights to these companies to emit greenhouse gases. Uh, Senator Barbara Boxer, again, has introduced a package of uh, manager's amendments. Uh, She's called a manager that mandates total reductions of about 66 percent by the year 2050. And so that's what is happening with this cap and trade. It's a cap, and then you're allowed to emit some pollution, or you can trade the rights with other companies to do so. Uh, Some of these rights can actually be purchased, and that's why the government ends up with some money, which they then dole out. And this is what Barbara Boxer is talking about. And that's why we're saying that it really takes money out of one sector of the economy, those producing things using energy and emitting, and gives it to another sector that the government deems worthy of doing so. Let's go now to the phones uh, just to kind of get your initial reaction and thoughts.
thoughts on global warming? First of all, do you think it's real? Second of all, do you think uh, it produces effects on the climate that are detrimental? Can we do anything to change it? And should we implement uh, this bill that Congress is uh, considering right now? Tom is in Watauga. Tom, thanks for calling in. Oh, hey, Tana. Yeah, global warming is for real, and it's uh, caused by the sun, and it's cyclical. But I think if Congress really wants to do something about the CO2 mission, they need to shut down and keep the mouth shut because every time they exhale, carbon dioxide comes out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the problem is, is the carbon di- uh, dioxide, I mean, the kind that human beings uh, actually sometimes uh, find coming, uh, being emitted naturally, is that actually warming the climate? Is it causing hurricanes? Uh, is it causing sea levels to rise? Is it causing all these things that Al Gore and his movie The Inconvenient Truth and others are saying? And uh, so Congress is saying, well, yes, and sort of ignoring some of the science that is now rising. And so they're debating this bill. And uh, let's just go back to here a couple of other members of Congress as they debate it. Uh, Senator uh, Pete Domenici, who is a Republican from New Mexico, says that this is actually going to raise prices and be a big drag on our economy right now. This will translate to even greater pain at the pump for consumers at a time when the strength of our economy is already seriously in our concern. It will lower the bottom line of American business and jeopardize their global competitiveness. And when you think about it, uh, making gas prices rise is possibly a way to use less fuel and uh, emit uh, fewer carbons, in a sense. But is this something that we really want to impose on our economy right now? People are already complaining about higher gas prices, higher food prices, and part of this has to do with the price of energy, and just higher energy prices. I mean, we're heading into summer here in Texas. We already look at uh, big electric bills. Will they go up uh, even further? Well, Senator Chris Bond also reacting to this proposal, this Warner-Lieberman cap-and-trade bill. He says carbon limits amount to a tax hike. Cap-and-trade is a taxation, a massive taxation without technology. All right. One of the proposals that's being made here by Barbara Boxer, senator from California, and she heads up this committee where it's being debated. And she says what's going to happen happen is these carbon credits are going to be auctioned off. And uh, she expects revenues of $3.32 trillion by 2050. What's going to happen to this money? Well, they're fighting over what's going to happen to it because everybody wants a piece of this. Everybody says that I can use some of this money to reduce global warming. Uh, So there was a conference call uh, between senators and reporters last Thursday, and John Kerry, remember he ran for president once, he said that he is so disturbed by the effects of global warming on crustaceans, you know, lobsters. And so he wants some of this money that's going to come in from cap and trade and sale of these credits to ensure that New England lobsters will benefit from some of this. So you can see that you're going to have senators, you're going to have congressmen, and you're going to have uh, business people lobbying to get some of this money. And that's why we have to begin to look at uh, some of this, uh, this rhetoric, really, that's being spewed out there saying that global warming has to be stopped, and it has to be stopped now. Well, let's go back uh, now to the White House, because 
one thing that uh, can give us all a little bit of peace in this whole debate, as this is debated in the United States Senate for a few days, is that it's not going to be enacted now because President Bush has said he'll veto this bill. The president hasn't seen a cap-and-trade system designed yet uh, and proposed to this Congress that he could support. And so I think that we have to look at, we have to deal with what we're, the, you know, the cards that were dealt. Of course, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency is estimating that this bill uh, would actually affect the economy. This is the EPA. You'd think they'd be supporting this, but they say that it would reduce our gross uh, domestic product between a trillion and 2.8 trillion dollars by 2050. Now, uh, a lot of people are saying we ought to take this money, sell the carbon credits, let people pollute, and then give the money to the poor. Perhaps you could reduce the payroll tax. Of course, uh, that would add Social Security into this whole debate and make it even uh, even more complicated. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will continue to discuss lo- global warming. We want to hear from you. The number is 800-881-9270. A little bit later in the program, we're also going to have an expert from the Competitive Enterprise Institute joining us. He's written a book called The Really Inconvenient Truths, Seven Environmental Catastrophes Liberals Don't Want You to Know About Because They Helped Cause Them. That'll be just an interesting addition uh, to this conversation. But ladies and gentlemen, what we're really talking about here is uh, global warming a phenomenon that has not even been proven to be occurring. Uh, We're seeing science now that says it may even be on a break and the climate may even cool in the next 10 or 20 years. And yet the United States uh, Senate is debating this huge bill, which has been called the biggest restructuring of the American economy since the New Deal era of the 1930s. And, uh, you know, some senators want to grab onto that $3 trillion in new revenues that it's supposed to generate by imposing this cap-and-trade scheme on the economy. Really what it is is a tax on carbon in order to force our economy to develop some green options. That's why these senators were talking about technology. So if a a corporation exceeds its carbon cap, it can go buy these allowances. And again, it's really money coming into the government. In a sense, it's like the old Catholic indulgences that were purchased from the government for the sin of pollution, really the sin of capitalism. So ladies and gentlemen, what do you think of this bill? Are you willing to pay $5 per gallon at the pump, which is probably what would happen from this? Uh, just so the senators can pass this bill and say they can, they're doing something about global warming? Do you th- even think global warming is happening? If it is, should the government be forcing us to do something about it? Again, we're going to talk about it in the next segment. We welcome your calls at 800-881-9270. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. It ignores the needs of American families. It jeopardizes the jobs of American workers. It does not offer a global solution and, in fact, will increase global emissions. And it does not promote good, clean energy solutions and, in fact, will make us even more dependent upon uh, foreign sources of energy. That's uh, Senator James Inhofe of Oklahoma, and uh, he is the ranking member, the number two member, the number one Republican on the Senate Environmental uh, and Public Works Committee. He says we don't need a climate tax on the poor, and he says this Lieberman-Warner bill is a recipe for still higher fuel costs. We'd love to hear from you on this whole climate change issue. Are we on the right track here with this Lieberman-Warner bill? And uh, really, are we thinking correctly when we think that stopping global warming is uh, the way to improve the environment. Let's go now to the phones. We've got lots of folks calling in. The number is 800-881-9270. Jackie is in Granbury. Jackie, thanks for waiting. You're welcome. Go ahead. Hey, what I'm do you think about this this phenomenon of global warming and this particular bill? Honestly, I don't know. You know, you hear two different sides, but I heard in England they don't even teach it because it hasn't been proven in the, you know, the classrooms they banned the teaching, but Regardless, you know, if, if it can be tr- proven, then I under- we need to do something about it. But if it can't be proven, I don't think spending money on something that's not a proven problem, you know, what is the track record of the government, whoever, anyway, with all our money? It seems to be just like you said about the lobsters. You know, what other pet project is someone going to come up with with this trillion or $3 trillion? And if you're going to spend $3 trillion and make $3 trillion, then you just broke even. So, I don't know. I just don't trust them with our money anymore. Thank you, though. Jackie, thanks for your call. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. He brought up Great Britain and global warming. And, of course, uh, they're having their own debates about this over there. And uh, there was a court case uh, that we've been we've been playing this by uh, a few times because it's kind of funny, really. They actually showed Al Gore's movie, uh, An Inconvenient Truth, and uh, CNN weatherman uh, Rob Marciano was reacting to a court case that took place in Great Britain over the fact that Al Gore's movie was shown. So it just goes to show that they're not uh, only fighting about global warming here; they're fighting for it over in Great Britain. But this is CNN. CNN weatherman Rob Marciano, and he reacted to this whole dispute in Great Britain, uh, calling the movie An Inconvenient Truth fictional and actually challenging some of Gore's statements. The case stems from a father who accused the government of brainwashing kids with propaganda by showing Gore's film in the classroom. Schools may have to issue a warning before they show students the controversial movie about global warming. Finally, finally. Somebody so, come, you, so you don't agree? Oh, there are definitely some inaccuracies. And, you know, the Oscars, they give out awards for fictional films as well. Well, the biggest thing I have a problem with is his, his implication that Katrina was caused by global warming. And there's a number of studies that have been out, and they're really the jury's still out. Global warming 
does not conclusively cause stronger hurricanes like we've seen. Nonetheless, the United States Congress is debating a climate change bill, and uh, it's really a a debate that's center stage in Washington, D.C. It's a massive bill. It caps greenhouse gas emissions. It's hoping to control global temperatures, and this is underway in the United States Senate. We're talking about it. Let's go to Dallas and speak with Crystal. Hi, Dallas. Uh, Crystal, thanks for calling. Hi. um, I don't listen to mainstream media because they just, you know, preach propaganda. If you read other magazines, and I believe I read in World Magazine, that the polar ice cap, all the uh, ice and everything that Al Gore and his uh, cohort said melted, the snow was so incredible this year that everything that was lost is now back. Now, they won't tell you that, but if you look at at Christian scientists and what they have to say, um, the world changes its, um, you know, temperatures and and weather around the globe. It has since the beginning of time. So this the climate is, has always changed. Yeah, absolutely. And this bill that they want to bring forth to tax the people more is just rubbish. You know, sometimes uh, when an, a polar ice cap, at one, for instance, at one pole loses some ice. Uh, you could probably, at that same time in the world somewhere, find an ice cap that is actually adding ice. I mean, these things, right. as you said, they're cyclical and they change. Right. And as another caller earlier in the program said, uh, a lot of global warming is actually caused by the sun. Right. And Well, it's kind of back to reminiscence when I was a kid that they got rid of the aerosol cans because they said it was poking a hole in the uh, in the atmosphere. In the, the ozone Earth, layer. It never did. So well, you know... More I, I think you have to get reasonable about these things, and you don't have to have a catastrophic reason to do some common sense things. I mean, exactly. those aerosol cans and what's in them do pollute the environment, and it's good that we try to use less and less of those. Just like it's good we try to emit less and less pollutants in the air. We're not saying that's not the case. But to take uh, a phenomenon that's not real and and change the economy and move money around uh, at the government's behest, uh, sort of moving away from a free market system is not the way to go. Right. Well, you look at the ticket and you look at it's scary because it looks like socialism. And my father came from a communist country. So, you know, that's just the way we're headed. Thank you very much for calling, Crystal. We appreciate it. We are taking your calls on the uh, climate change bill being debated in the United States Senate, and uh, just the whole phenomenon of global warming. Is it real? Doug is in Dallas. Doug, thanks for calling in. Hello? Hello. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, I have a comment regarding Dr. Norm Geisler regarding global warming. If you'll go back to some of his early writings, he explained way back that I forget the uh, the amount of uh, capacity to hold how many Earths you can put inside the sun. It is it is so huge that when the sun has a fissure, or if it has a quake within its own self, that can create climate change that not only lasts for you know a few months, it can last for years. And people forget. Exactly what you said a minute ago, Kenna. The sun is really uh, the key to these changes that we feel here. And uh, they can last and change for lots of time, not just a little time. It, it can cause things to happen 
Uh, and Dr. Geifer had done so many studies on that, and I, I wish that uh, you guys could have him as a guest. I think. Kirby well, we Bain- had him recently on something else, and that's a wonderful idea. We'll try to get Dr. Geisler back to talk about climate change and give his take. Thanks for that suggestion, Doug. And, you know, it's just absurd to think, uh, when you think of the sun and how big it is and how warm it is, uh, that, you know, changing a light bulb and being forced to do so by the government, uh, a company being forced to reduce its emissions and pay money in order to to uh, do business, which uh, is really what's happening here and what uh, this bill is about, is asking companies to pay to be able to operate their businesses. Now, it is good to use the bully pulpit and encourage companies to get greener. They're doing it already, uh, even without this bill. Let's go to uh, Joanna in Austin, Texas. Joanna, thanks for calling in. Um, Actually, I think you've said a lot of the things that have already been on my mind in that, uh, one, I don't agree that global warming is... um, a phenomenon that has been proven. I think actually there's um, a tremendous amount of research that shows that it's it's not responsible or not even existent um, as far as the hurricanes and all the other phenomenon that go on around the world. I, I think another caller said that's just part of the way the earth functions. Well, um, hurricanes, I mean, it's not even the global warming advocates uh, scientists, the real scientists who are saying global warming needs to be stopped or it's real. They don't even say that hurricanes are caused by global warming. This is just something that Al Gore put in his movie and right. uh, people and believe it. And are following that. Right. And they're the ones that are making the decisions, like you said, on fictitious information um, without digging into the real science of it. And I think you made, just now made a very good point in that we're already taking steps to be greener and be good stewards. That's the way God would want us to operate, is to be good stewards of what what we have. And, um, you know, we're in the end times, and I think that more and more we're going to see this nation falling away from uh, what it started as and becoming more and more of a socialist nation. And um, I don't agree with that, and I wish it wouldn't be that way, but I think that's the trend, and I think this is a perfect example of that. I don't think it's right. I think it will be disastrous um, for, you know, working-class citizens, which are the majority of this country. Um, and hopefully, you know, there will be a strong enough voice uh, in the Senate, to, in Congress, to say, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at the, the far-reaching repercussions of this, and, and what are we already doing, and is it working? Are we making strides to improve our environment without hurting our country in the process. Joanna, thanks so much for your call. And that's really the worry that uh, the United States would hamstring its own economy uh, when other countries like China and India are polluting uh, and, and would undo any good that would be done if any good could be done by capping CO2 emissions by the in the United States. Uh, and so allowing the free market to work, allowing companies to do what's good because they're profitable is more the way to go. The Heritage Foundation uh, analyzed this, and they said if you think Katrina was an expensive proposition, consider that according uh, to their statistics, the economic damage of this bill uh, – uh, Warner Lieberman would equal the cost of 660 hurricanes, 35 per year for two decades. Uh, 
but that statement probably won't make it to the evening news. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will continue to discuss this uh, after the break. And if you're waiting on the line to talk about it, just stay with us over the break. Also, we will be joined by Ian Murray from the Competitive Enterprise Institute, and he is going to talk about some of the crazy environmental policies and the harm they have actually done. Sometimes it's good to protect the environment, but some policies actually hurt us. So stay with us for that. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. This will translate to even greater pain at the pump for consumers at a time when the strength of our economy is already seriously in our concern. It will lower the bottom line of American business and jeopardize their global competitiveness. Senator Pete Domenici of New Mexico talking about the Warner-Lieberman bill, which is being debated in the United States Senate. And uh, there are a lot of things being said about this bill right now. And uh, one of them comes out of uh, Senator uh, Joe Lieberman himself. And he's basically one of the sponsors of it. And he thinks it's basically the best thing since sliced bread. But the Wall Street Journal says that uh, this bill would impose the most extensive government reorganization of the economy since the 1930s. The Cleveland Plain Dealer says the bill will just bore new holes into an already battered economy. It doesn't have a prayer of becoming law. That's because President Bush won't sign it. Uh, And maybe some senators will actually have some common sense and oppose it. And then the Wall Street Journal also saying it's the largest income redistribution scheme since the income tax uh, with us to talk about this and just add some information to this discussion is Ian Murray, and he is Director of Projects and Analysis, also Senior Fellow in Energy Science and Technology at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. He also has a book, The Really Inconvenient Truths, Seven Environmental Catastrophes Liberals Don't Want You to Know About Because They Helped Cause Them. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. It's a delight to be with you tonight, Penna. Senators are debating this bill, and uh, they're coming out with some interesting claims. I think uh, the one coming from the supporters of the bill saying that this is going to save our planet is the one that uh, many of our uh, listeners who've called in uh, earlier in the program dispute because they just don't believe that uh, CO2 emissions really warms the planet. Can we first of all get your take on that? Well, my take is that uh, all other things being equal, if you put an extra molecule of uh, greenhouse gas like carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, then because of the basic physics of the way that uh, those molecules um, uh, trap heat, uh, then the atmosphere is going to heat up slightly. However, we don't know that all other things are equal. And in fact, we, we have a very, very rudimentary understanding of how the atmosphere works and how the atmosphere redistributes the heat that, that it already has. We do know, for instance, that um, without the weather system, the Earth would be uh, considerably hotter than it is at the moment. The weather system is actually something that, 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 that uh, redistributes heat. And as you, as you well know from uh, the, the way weather forecasts work, we don't actually know that much about, <laughs> about how the weather really does work. So until we've got that sorted out, 
uh, we can't really say how much the earth is going to warm as a result of these gases. All right, the other side on this debate, we've got senators like Inhofe and Domenici talking about how badly this is going to hurt the economy. And, you know, we do know that it will be sort of a uh, the idea of purchasing the rights to emit, first of all, happy, having caps, but then the trade part is just purchasing these rights, being granted these rights, and the government gets to decide who this is. So it sounds to me like not only a redistributionist plan, but also sort of a almost bordering on a socialist plan, is it? It, 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 that is very much the case. I mean, the, the very fact that the, 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 the uh, government has to decide uh, what allocations people get, uh, that, that uh, in, in the first place, that they, they can then trade between each other, that is basically uh, somebody taking a look at the economy and saying, okay, then, uh, this, this sector of the economy we're going to put on hold, this sector of the economy we're going to allow a chance to develop, and all that sort of thing. So it is very much a, a command and control uh, exercise in, in the first place, and, and it, it, it's vast. Uh, you know, we're talking about something like seven and a half trillion dollars worth of um, part, worth of the economy that, that this um, that this scheme would would gain control over, and then a lot of that seven uh, seven trillion dollars will actually be uh, redistributed to uh, socially approved of uh, projects. So th- th- there's another socialist element of it—a a massive wealth redistribution scheme. All right, we've already heard uh, about John Kerry, who says some of this is going to have to go to Massachusetts to help the lobsters because they're being affected by global warming. And, you know, this is going to be a big scramble on the part of special interests and uh, certain political interests to try to grab some of this money, isn't it? Oh, very much so. In fact, uh, uh, as it currently stands, the bill would uh, redistribute $237 billion to wildlife. Now, of course, you know, the, you know, uh, the, 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 the deer in your backyard aren't, aren't, uh, aren't probably going to be uh, receiving checks directly. You know, it, it, it's the green groups that are going to be receiving the, the, those checks, and, and those will be, uh, will be lining up uh, with their begging bowls out to try, and, to try and get some of this vast amount of money. Ian Murray is with me. He's with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And Ian, uh, what are we, I mean, aren't businesses, for the most part in the United States, at least the prosperous runs, uh, ones, going green anyway? Well, that, that, that's, that's very much the case. I mean, but part of it is, is just uh, public relations. But the, the, the plain fact is that um, the uh, emission of, of greenhouse gases and, and, and other things are actually uh, waste products. And if you want to improve the efficiency of your business, you will be trying to uh, you know, get rid of, of the amount of waste uh, that, that, that you put into the atmosphere. And so, um, you know, we're, we're seeing that the, the uh, growth in greenhouse gases, although it is still continuing to grow in uh, the USA, is actually much smaller than the growth in greenhouse gases in the European Union, uh, where the competitive pressures aren't, aren't as great. Uh, since at least uh, the year 2000. Uh, and you know, most people don't realize this because they think that the European Union is on its way to a carbon-free economy. Uh, no, that's just rhetoric. Uh, in fact, the U.S. is doing a lot better than the Europeans when it comes to reducing emissions. Most of the European countries signed on to the Kyoto Treaty, and we didn't. Why are we doing better than them? Well, it's, it's, it's simply because uh, you know, we, we have... Uh, competitive pressures, and they have uh, uh, socialist uh, redistribution schemes. They already have a cap-and-trade scheme in place, uh, uh, such as this bill envisages. And if you look at the effect of that cap-and-trade scheme, as it has been over the past, uh, it's been in place over the past three years, 
It hasn't reduced emissions at all. In fact, emissions are still going up. But what it has uh, done is increased utility bills for the average homeowner uh, considerably and transferred that wealth to government and to the salaries of the people who are involved in the utilities. All right. Our economy isn't bad right now, uh, but there are sectors that are suffering, and we're watching the gas prices go up. We are figuring that our energy prices this summer for our air conditioning here in Texas, for instance, are going to all, uh, you know be worse than they normally are, which is already bad. Uh, the prices of food is going up. Uh, so there are some things happening in the economy now. What if this passed and the president would sign it? or maybe it happens sometime down the line with a new administration. What do you see that doing to the economy that's struggling a little bit right now? Well, we've just seen today that uh, Continental Airlines is uh, going to uh, lay off 3,000 of its employees. That's 3,000 job, jobs lost as a result of the increase in energy prices, the increase of, uh, specifically in, of the airlines in, in the price of jet fuel. Um, so that, that, that they are significantly hurting because of the price of energy. And this bill... All it is, all it is about, is actually raising the price of energy to try and discourage people from using that energy. So, as a result, there are going to be many, many more than those three thousand people who have lost their jobs today, uh, losing their jobs as a result of this artificial uh, uh, increase in the in the price of in the price of energy that that we could do without. And you know, it simply adds to the insult, to the injury that, that people are already suffering. I'm very interested in uh, your book, uh, The Really Inconvenient Truce, because uh, the thesis is really that a lot of times the Greenies propose solutions, uh, and we've enacted some of them, that have actually hurt the environment, uh, gone contrary to what they're uh, hoping will happen. Can you give us a couple of examples? Well, a great example that, that, that currently uh, is... is uh, uh, feeding into the increase in uh, in food prices worldwide is uh, is the uh, disaster of biofuels and ethanol, for instance, in this country they they, they uh, promoted it as the uh, fuel that that would reduce the amount of carbon dioxide coming out of our tailpipes. But what what biofuels do is they take some of the food crop and they convert it into in, into fuel, which we then burn in our gas tanks rather than using it to feed people's stomachs. As a result, you know, people around the world, especially the poorest around the world, are suffering because uh, the price of food has gone up because the supply has been artificially restricted. And uh, not just that, but there's even an environmental uh, problem because as the amount of we need more uh, fuel to um, we need more of this biofuel to to, to fill the, the, the meet the mandates that are being imposed not just here but in the European Union as well, and that means that more land is going to be used for for these uh, biofuels, which means in the case of ethanol, uh, some of the wilderness that has been reclaimed. Uh, in the United States of, over the past uh, 100 years will be de- devoted to growing this, the, 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 this fuel. And uh, in the case of biodiesel, which is what the Europeans use, uh, that is best grown in the rainforest. And so what's happening in Indonesia, for example, is that vast amounts of the rainforest are being cut down to make uh, biodiesel fuel. And uh, as a result, uh, animals such as the orangutan are being driven to extinction. That's not a, a very good result for the environmentalists. All right. Uh, Ian, can you stick with us? Because we haven't even gotten to any conservative solutions, and uh, I think we need to talk about some of those. Can you stay over the break? 
Yes, yes, I can certainly stay on for a few moments, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, in uh, in the Bible, of course, it talks about how uh, God created the earth uh, for man to subdue it and have dominion over it. That's in the book of Genesis. So the earth is created for man, not man for the earth. Now, of course, in Genesis too, it goes on to talk about how God commanded men to tend the earth, to keep it. And I think this really does speak to our responsibility to conserve, uh, to be good stewards of what God has made and what he has given us dominion over. So we do need to care for the environment. We shouldn't be littering. Uh, we shouldn't be destroying trees and uh, unnecessarily. All these things should be sort of part of a Christian environmentalism, a conservative stewardship of the earth. And Ian Murray is with us. We're going to continue to talk about ways we can conserve without this socialist, redistributionist, draconian bill that's being debated in our United States Congress. Stay with us. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I think that those uh, people are in such a tiny, tiny minority now uh, with their point of view. They're almost like the ones who still believe that the moon landing was staged in a movie lot in Arizona. Uh, and those who believe the earth is, is flat. Al Gore, in an interview talking about the skeptics of global warming, he says they're like flat earthers. Uh, my guest is Ian Murray from the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And Ian, uh, when you um, get to Al Gore, there are a lot of things to say. But one of the things he did say was that, and this is in your book, uh, that part of the chapter about the lost sea. Uh, Al Gore said that there was a sea, the Aral Sea in Soviet Russia that was destroyed, and this was destroyed because of global warming, and the government just sort of took over and began to try to manage things. What happened? Well, actually, the the, uh, the Aral Sea was destroyed because of a, a, a philosophy based on caps and targets, uh, strangely uh, familiar to anybody who's been following the Lieberman-Warner bill. Uh, the Aral Sea was uh, uh, a, a, a huge sea in uh, in the central uh, center of the old Soviet Union that uh, was fed by two mighty rivers uh, that uh, the Soviets decided in the 1930s would be better off diverted to help uh, uh, the Soviet Union uh, produce um, uh, massive amounts of cotton, which they would then export. They even called it white gold. 
and um, as a result of this, the the, the, the rivers that uh, that kept the, the the sea going were uh, just dried up. And uh, meantime, there were all sorts of other terrible things that the Soviet Union were doing around there with with chemical and uh, uh, and, and weapons uh, facilities that, that contributed to uh, the, the turning of of this sea not just into a desert but into a, a toxic, dangerous desert. Uh, that uh, that the winds then blew the sands around and contributed to uh, a, a terrible deterioration of of, of the area's health. Uh, th- this was all because of the of the planned economy and uh, the the idea that uh, that the, 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 the man uh, would be able to to to, to alter the, the world to to his own design. Uh, based on the, the, the tenets of Marxism-Leninism. It's very presumptuous, actually. It's almost like playing God. And would that uh, our senators would look to history, to look to the experience of Soviet Russia, of European nations, before they take us down the same path that these countries have been down. Uh, this is just one of the examples in Ian Murray's book, uh, The Really Inconvenient Truth, Seven Environmental Catastrophes Liberals Don't Want You to Know About Because They Help cause them. It's very interesting, and I think a lot of our listeners are interested in this topic. Well, Ian, talk a little bit about some solutions, some conservative solutions, ways that we can maybe speed up the uh, progress that's being made in cleaning up the environment, uh, but doing it without, you know, a tax on the poor or without hurting the economy. Well, indeed, uh, yeah, the, uh, it, it, it's it very interesting to me that uh, when you look at what has really helped the environment over, over the years, it has been traditional approaches uh, such as uh, the, the, the ownership of property, the ownership of uh, uh, the wild areas, the ownership even of wildlife. Once you have an ownership stake in something... You're talking about private Private citizens owning it, not the government. Indeed, yes, yes. The, 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 the very much the, the, the private, the private ownership. Once you have an ownership stake in something, you take care of it, which the government does not do. That is why that there is a well-known phenomenon in uh, in the environment called the tragedy of the commons. When something is owned in commons, in common, people try to take out of it as much as they can, so that the next person doesn't uh, doesn't take it instead. This is what's led to the massive overfishing of the oceans. Uh, which which are causing collapses in fish stocks all over the world because we decided that uh, that the ocean should be held in common. If there were private ownership of fish stocks, as there are in places uh, like Japan and Iceland and uh, New Zealand, we see that, uh, that that these problems don't arise. So this sort of traditional basis of uh, of, of having uh, an ownership stake in in in, a prop- in uh, environmental property. That that very much directs our, our thinking because we think not just of where we got it from, of of the past and the way that people managed it beforehand, but also of the future. You know, we want to have this uh, this property as an asset that we can pass on to our descendants or sell to somebody else, and so we manage it much better. And that's the sort of traditional approach which has always worked, and it's where that traditional approach has been discarded in favour of a, a socialist or collective approach that we see environmental degradation at its worst. Of course, the founding documents uh, emphasize, and really our nation was founded on a right to liberty and life and property. And uh, this is a concept that has worked 
in history in our country, and it's really taking into consideration human nature. We take care of what we own and what is ours uh, and what we can pass on to our children. Ian Murray, I know that you at the Competitive Enterprise Institute are working on solutions, and we'll have to have you back to talk about some of those. We really appreciate you joining us today. I'd be delighted, and if, if uh, people want to see the, the solutions we're working on, they can go to CEI.org and, and find out some more of, about them there. CEI.org, Competitive Enterprise Institute, a wonderful organization. Ian Murray, thank you for being with us. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Man. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to preview tomorrow. Our friend Carl Jeffers uh, is going to join us for a weekly political wrap-up. And uh, what a week it's been. So we will be talking about uh, the Obama clinching of the uh, Democrat nomination, what's going to happen to Hillary Clinton, and a lot more. Sometimes we argue with him. Sometimes we just uh, pick his brain because he does know a lot about what's going on on the other side. And uh, next week, we're going to be uh, Monday and Tuesday at the Southern Baptist Convention in Indianapolis. Broadcasting from there, we'll have some special guests. Dr. Mark Deaver on the necessity of regenerate church membership. Also, uh, N.T. Wright uh, on some of his books, uh, the- great theologian. That'll be fun. Dr. Richard Land will be with us. So uh, next week ought to be a lot of fun. And uh, I want to mention, though, a couple of uh, other considerations with regard to the issue we've been discussing today, uh, the Christian stewardship of the earth. Of course, the earth was created for us and really to use for our own needs. And uh, we do know, because it says so in the Word of God, in the book of Colossians, that Christ holds all things together. That is, God is holding the earth together. Uh, We really cannot destroy it. Uh, It's not that we are to try to destroy it or to... to willy-nilly pollute the earth, but he, we really cannot destroy it because we are not the ones that hold the earth together. But we should be good stewards of the earth. It's a gift, really, that God has given us to take care of uh, and for our good and for our livelihood. Well, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, where we will be next week, last year uh, at that convention, the Resolutions um, Committee and then the full convention adopted a resolution on global warming. It's three pages long, and there are a lot of whereases and resolved, uh, but one of them is that uh, we should proceed cautiously in the human-induced global warming debate because the research is conflicting. Scientists do not agree on this, despite what some people say. Uh, Also, it says that we need to consider these proposals to regulate CO2 and other greenhouse gases. Uh, to be dangerous because these attempts could actually lead to some mandates that could really have a, a bad effect on the poor in our country and in the world. That's the Southern Baptist. Join us tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.